Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you this week? Doing great this week. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. It's very, very busy. It is Halloween week. We're recording this on October 29th. And that is to say we just did our interview live on Twitch yesterday with Laura Tempest Zakrov. That interview is up now on the Revelator Morning Show feed. So if you're not already subscribed to that podcast, search it up, Revelator Morning Show. That is our stuff that we're doing on Twitch on the uh, Tuesday through Friday schedule. We're throwing chunks up there as appropriate. So Laura's interview is up there. Uh, Actually, also, before you get this episode, you are going to be hearing another interview with Laura Tempest-Zakroff that is on this feed. She took time out of her schedule to sit down with us twice this week, once to talk to us about Weave the Liminal, and another time to talk to us all about sigils, pagan. Holy crap, has it been a fun time. (laughs) It has been a very fun time. It's been a very chaotic week, but in the best of ways. Truly. And we're not even done there because at the very end of this episode, this is also going to probably, this might, who knows what, this might go on both feeds actually. But at the very end of this, Katie Webb is going to be joining us again to talk about her experiences with elementals because she teased them on that last interview. And I think you and I brains, they just exploded. Mm -hmm. They did. They really did. I was that meme during the, I was just the idea during the interview that I had to like keep pushing my jaw up like into normal position because it literally kept falling onto the floor. Yeah, I think that most of the interview with Katie, I spent with my jaw on the floor and I kept having to like push it back up as well because it was just one of those days where you're just like, she can't get any cooler, right? And then she would say something else and I'd be like, okay, yeah, well, let's just throw that idea out the window because she's so much cooler than she ever gives herself credit for. She's amazing. We didn't tease her with many, if any, of those, the coolest stories she gave us that day. Like, we did not, Mm -hmm. I don't think we did anything to get her on the Bigfoot subject. I don't know that we talked about, like, elementals in the show notes either. She just, like opened up with this wealth of knowledge she was talking about uh, a story she couldn't go into detail about but a friend that had like metal balls under her skin from like an alien abduction and i was like i forgot about that we were just gonna talk to you about tarot like this is whoa (laughs) katie webb blowing our heads way off Um, i think they yeah, I was going to say, I, I really, be, truly believe that those were the cases that we had asked her about, like, what was her favorite investigations? Yeah. And those were things that kind of came out in the middle. That so, was yeah, it, was, it, it was so crazy. That is it. Yeah. That is all it took. And Katie started dropping all these amazing stories on us. So uh, today we will be asking her more. If you're here in Twitch chat, prepare yourselves because you're going to be able to ask her questions, too. Um, The reason we bring Katie Webb up and the reason we bring her on is, again, to say today's episode is going to be about elementals. We were going to talk about demons at first, but I said, Pagan, you and I are really not about overplaying, overhyping or overinflating any ideas in the paranormal world. And demons often get that. We wanted to talk Mm -hmm. and introduce people to an element that 
an element, introduce people to an <laughs> element of the paranormal world that is uh, way more overlooked than it is recognized. And that is elementals of the mm-hmm. just various sorts. We'll dive in in a second. Katie has had personal experience dealing with them in her uh, seasons of Haunt Me, which you can catch for free on YouTube. They go to a place called the GRCC. And there they find something related to the river. There are five episodes there, and Pagan's going to have a link to them in the show notes for this episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Excellent. Well, I think uh, without further ado, let's dive into the meat of this week's episode. Let's talk elementals. What are mm-hmm. they? Where do they come from? Why should you know about them? And I might start off, Pagan, by saying... With a grain of salt, all of today's stuff, maybe more than ever before, this is stuff that's hard to nail down into very trustworthy sources. Elementals Mm -hmm. are not documented anywhere near the degree I expected them to be when I was starting my Google search. I really expected to find way more sources talking about them. But, Pagan, what do you think? Why, Why is there maybe a lack of information on elementals? I think that there's a lack of information because elementals are kind of that strange bridge between somewhere between reality and fantasy. And we see this a lot in the world of the paranormal, but honestly and truly elementals are the biggest link between those two worlds. And I think that over the course of time, we've basically gone from believing in these creatures to a time that, you know, the stories were passed down word of mouth. And now when we should be writing about them, we should be talking about them. Nobody really believes in them. They're they're high fantasy. You find them in fantasy books. You find them in D&D. You find them in all sorts of other places, but you don't ever really hear about them in the paranormal field, which they technically are still a part of. They're part of the witchcraft world. They're part of the paranormal world. And I would say even to go so far as they're part of our physical world, but we never give them the time of day. And so I think with this episode, maybe we will start giving them the time of day that they truly deserve. That's it. I like that. I, I it's it's it is something we need to give them more more recognition or start acknowledging them more. And I would say being prepared for looking for these tendencies in our investigations going forward. So to give a little bit of background on them, most elemental hauntings take place in isolated, mountainous, desert, or forested areas. And even the word haunting there might be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a misnomer or something like that, because Mm -hmm. these things, I would say, transcend what we would say haunting. I'd say, if anything, they might occupy a place, because if we're looking at elementals as a force that has existed before people, as something that is tied to the land, tied to the water, those things existed before people did. And, you know, if anything, we might be haunting their areas, Fagan. <laughs> on that note, that's very accurate. <laughs> on that note, it's rare to see them haunt within a city. And, and a lot of this mm-hmm. information that we're pulling from today uh, came from a great source online here. It's this is PPI we're pulling from the Pacific yes, Paranormal PPI. P- Pacific I Paranormal even... Investigations. Yeah, they're uh, they're they they had one of the most documented and like well thought out pieces 
on elementals that's actually accessible. A lot of this stuff dates back to older stories. And we noticed that the, the, I saw this a lot, Pagan, that Pericles was the one that starts to that, that story defines a lot of these elementals as we get into them. So, yes, the exception, uh, again, we said they, they, they actually present themselves in these areas that are heavily thought of as nature, forests, mountains, deserts, where people are not. Um, the exception to this might be if people are summoning them through magic or magical rituals. Uh, Pagan, you said a, a, just a bit ago that you know witches and, and paganism really uh, work well with elementals. That's a strong mm-hmm. thing to call upon. So there is this sort of situation where buildings or other things of religious grounds might actually see an increased elemental activity in them because, again, you're communing, you're channeling, you're, you're bringing a lot of energy. They might be attracted to that sort of thing. Yes, that would be very accurate. And we'll discuss here in a little bit um, where those kind of religious purposes might actually, I would say, manifest elementals more than actually cause an elemental haunting, per se. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things that as we go through this episode, we're going to be talking about different ways that we see the elementals, ways that they manifest themselves, and ways that we manifest them. And the difference is in why maybe using the term haunting or haunted may not actually be appropriate terminology. So I would say let's dive into that and talk more about that and break them down. Yeah, let's let's talk about. So so when we refer to an elemental, we are talking about the embodiment, the manifestation, some sort of representation of one of the elements and traditional elements that the four there they're, depends on who you're talking to and in what context but we traditionally look at four different elements earth water fire air and then mm-hmm. if we start to look into the more like paganism aspects we have uh, a fifth being spirit and such like that um and in this case looking at the more earthly elements through pericles we get these four Names We get earth elements called gnomes, water elements called undines, we have fire elementals called salamanders, and air elementals called sliffs. Am I saying that right, by the way? I think so. I've never heard someone refer to a sliff before, personally. I've never either, so don't feel bad. It's one of those things that when I was looking at this and I'm just like, what is that? I've never heard of that before. I've never even heard of undines before. So it's very interesting that um, we were actually able to come into this and learn some different things um, that come from the Greek lore. This is actually where the Greeks were kind of, I guess you could say, the first ones who really talked about the elementals and maybe possibly worked with them as far as their history goes. But again, there's not much really known about where... Nobody's ever really written the stories down. I mean, uh, Pericles did a little bit, but beyond that, there's some books, but the lore's just not there. It's all very fantastical over the time that we've kind of, I guess, done this because it's like, oh, well, we can't really believe that, you know, there's nature spirits and we can't really believe in this and we can't believe in that. And we've kind of, I guess, desensitized ourselves to this point that we're just like, yeah, no, I don't buy that. I'm not going to buy into it. And maybe... Maybe the elementals wanted us to do that. Maybe not. But we're seeing, I would say so much as that we're seeing kind of an upsurgence in elementals 
possibly reaching out to humanity now. And we'll talk more about that shortly. Well, it feels appropriate with how, I mean, we, <laughs> we as humans, so if we look at the elementals as representations of nature, I see some uh, references saying that they may be bleeding through from other planes where they, you know, are, are the, the keepers of that realm, whether it's the realm of water, or fire, or anything like that. They're bleeding through. They're speaking to us here. Uh, you think about it in a way, especially when it comes to water and earth and air, uh, we are very mm -hmm. much as humans at war with them. Like, and I don't, oh, yeah. I mean, I think anyone that's listening to this podcast understands what I mean by that. You know, we're, we burn all the fossil fuels we can. We, we, uh, we, we build up our cities anywhere that it, we want, destroying whatever nature is there with very little care for the environmental impact. And even we do our environmental impact reports, people still then find a way to like dump stuff and damage the environment. So yes. us as humans, I mean, I don't know if we're at war with fire. I, I guess if we destroy the air, that would destroy the fire. I would say but... yes, we are. If you look at the wildfires that are happening. Is so that us I being think... at war with fire then would be the question? Like, meaning if we create fire, then are we at war with it? I guess. I, I would say that one of the things that when it comes to, you know, for instance, you could have lightning storms that happen. You could have so much as um, basically uh, the sun can actually create fires that mm -hmm. happens if it is in a hot enough location, the, the earth is dry enough and all that. So I would say that maybe, maybe that's the case. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, 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 know that possibly maybe the fires are man-made but the fact that they the way that they spread and the way that they jump and all that i would say at that point then you're possibly dealing with fire elementals so maybe we are at war with them and and the reason i, I kind of bring that up is because uh it, it is interesting when you look at them we do damage the earth we do damage the water we do damage the air but we actually create the fire a lot of the time like you said it definitely natural mm -hmm. causes but we as humans create it and in that way, I wonder how how that all works together, because when we look at elementals, they often appear in situations where the nature, the land has been disturbed. Uh, mm -hmm. They tend to manifest when they seem to be very unhappy with the goings on in the area, feeling like they've been attacked, chased, um, destroyed, poisoned or otherwise, you know, something's mm -hmm. harming them. And we've also, I think you touched on this a bit ago, heard of the overly fantastical side of them, which probably lends to why they are undermined a lot and not written about. This does yes. get into the stories of mermaids and things like that. When we start looking into water elementals, how mm -hmm. they could materialize. And we know that a lot of those stories, whether there's ever been something in the ocean that could appear like a person whether it's you know just a spirit or something that manifests like a person underwater whatever the case may be we know that through disney and other cultural mechanisms we have um well i guess we've we've, we've relegated mermaids to a child's tale but you know it doesn't have any validity outside of children or hollywood so that in itself i think hurts the credibility of some of these people who look into elementals um that they are you know just up against a media machine 
And we do see that with video games, too. You know, elementals are a yeah. very common thing. Uh, when I was searching this, World of Warcraft came up a lot for pictures of elementals because they have water elementals and stuff in there. So in all in all, what I'm trying to say as we go into this more, note that there is the more Hollywood, more more cultural version of elementals. And then there's the more native and more grassroots style that I think Pagan and I will be talking to more. Yes. Do you want so to- interestingly yeah. enough, um, I, I may be going down the road you were about to reference. I think so. <laughs> uh, the ele- earth elementals, you know, we find them in deep forests. We find them in caves. And they go by many names. They're not just quote unquote gnomes. And a lot mm-hmm. of times when we think of gnomes, we think of the fey gnomes, which are the little short men that are bearded and wear the red hats, which technically those are earth elementals. But you also have... Sprites, satyrs, pans, dryads, elves, and brownies. And if anybody who's ever looked at um, any sort of fey lore, those are all fey. So, or that's what we also classify as fey. So maybe instead of us, I guess you could say discounting elementals, at least in the earth elementals aspect, perhaps we've just lumped them into the fey category when they're not fey at all, but they're actually earth elementals. Hmm. So this is a, one of those things where it's like, wait a minute, that's fey. But then you start looking at it and you're like, but if those are earth elementals, what are fey? What are we classifying as fey that are not fey? Or are they both? Or have we given earth element or any sort of elementals a different name because of the fact that it was easier to call them fey than to call them elemental? Interesting. It is true. I I do just lump. Well, I guess I don't I don't know if I lump them so much as I just don't have much of a distinction between Fey and elementals. To me, mm-hmm. uh, in my just operating mind, they kind of are the same thing and occupy the same space. In the pre-show, I was saying to Pagan, I think that that elementals can be very dangerous if approached in the wrong way. I think because I think I say that because Fey are traditionally very dangerous if approached in the mm-hmm. wrong way. You know, they will hurt you. Yes. And I think for similar reasons, that's why I say the same is like. But then again, I mean, I feel the exact same way about a human spirit. It's the same reason you'll never catch me go into an <laughs> asylum is because I'm like those right. those people are not operating on the same plane as me. We don't share the same boundary line. So in the same way, I'm like, huh elementals fey they definitely seem to be similar and um i will say that regarding that grcc episode with katie webb when the new kirks got involved when greg and dana were there they saw some very fey-like activity or i should Mm -hmm. say they referenced seeing green lights appear um, which yes. they've said the scene in the woods before. And that's also a very Fae-like thing to see lights leading you mm-hmm. to your doom or disappearance. Yes, which we're going to talk more about that shortly. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing about elementals is, and I would say this is a true of any paranormal and human entity. And I'm not talking about human spirits. I'm talking about us as humans. They can be helpful or they can be harmful just like humans. Humans can be very helpful or they might be very harmful and try to hurt you. I would say that any creature in the paranormal or in the physical world is the same way. Nothing is truly helpful and nothing is truly harmful. It's both because nature is both. 
And one thing that we're definitely talking about here is the elements and elements make up nature. Yeah. So that being said, when you look at the water elementals, water elementals are found near ponds, marshes, waterfalls, oceans. You, you guys get it. It's all water. <laughs> um, but they're known as water sprites, mermaids. And they can also appear to be human or um, in the form of a small creature, which when we talk here in a little bit more about the GRCC episodes on Haunt Me, they saw a lot of strange humanoid small creatures. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they were working with water elementals. So that was very interesting to kind of read that they can appear that way. And it's like, huh, okay. All right. So the the lore matches up with their accounts and what they discovered. And it matches up very much in the way that the water elementals come across. And they can also come across in a very dangerous, actually any elemental can come across in a very dangerous kind of way and look very scary. So that's one of those things that when I was looking at this, I was just like, huh, okay. And it made me start to question everything. And hopefully all of you will start to question everything after this episode as well. Yeah, and it's interesting how water elementals have been very tied. Their their lore is very old about them trying to lure people into the water. That mm-hmm. is like a large component with it, which again kind of fits the Fey idea. I referenced not long ago here that I watched one of the New Kirk's um, Sasquatch uh, investigations where they tapped into something using the Estes method, spirit box mm-hmm. to headphones, blindfolded, Dana's doing that, and it's telling them to go into the water. So that's mm-hmm. like a very traditional, uh, whatever spirit they were talking to, whether it was an elemental, whether it was even a person facading themselves as an elemental, just trying to lure someone to their doom, whatever it was, they were trying to get them to swim in like less than 30 degree temperatures. And it's like, okay, that's not happening creepy the the lore is very accurate with that especially with um air elementals and water elementals they very much are almost a little bit malicious they they have been known to convince people to do things such as go swimming in 30 degree temperature waters um jump off cliffs into water um, to basically jump off of high bridges and all sorts of crazy other things, which is kind of falling under that harmful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that in those regards, any elemental that you come across, you have to kind of uh, take any experience with a grain of salt because they may not have your best interest at heart. That's true. I would say that with, that's true with any paranormal entity, though. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, th- this one sounds a little interesting with fire elementals here, uh, the salamanders mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. And I, I took note of this because it says that fire elementals, uh, they often have the power of fire and smoke, but do not often communicate with humans. Which is why I said what I said mm-hmm. earlier, which is interesting because we are basically like attacking the others, but we create the fire a lot as humans. Interesting that that's the one that chooses not to speak with us where the others do. Right. And if we look at, like, say, fictional lore, like, uh, for instance, Game of Thrones and, you know, the Red Lady, when she she talks Mm -hmm. to the fire, she has to communicate. She has to start the communication with the fire. She it's never the fire is just like, oh, hey, pay attention to me. 
No, it, it literally is. I'm going to look into the flames. I'm going to create the fire. I'm going to set up the communication with this. And I would say the tr- same is true about working with um, what you would call fire scrying in witchcraft. You have to start the fire. You have to basically initiate communication with the fire elemental, but you can't. It's not going to start the communication with you. It, you have to be the one to initiate it because basically it doesn't give two shits about you. Hmm. That's... So it's a very interesting thing. Yeah, that one in itself seems like a standout from the others. I guess it's yes. the one... I mean, truly, and I, I don't know as much about the elements as, as I should. You know, I'll probably get into that more as we dive into these sort of episodes in the future. I want to expand my knowledge base. But I, fire is the one that just doesn't naturally exist in the abundance of the others. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's always a fire going on somewhere in the globe. But not, thank goodness, not often are our neighborhoods just constantly on fire. But there is constantly air. And, I mean, water evaporates. You can dry up rivers and stuff like that. But, again, we're we're working on it, unfortunately. But there is, like, a lot of water for us now. Um, Earth got a lot of that for now as well. I think that's the one that, uh, Mm -hmm. to whatever degree, we'll have some of for a long time. But, yeah, fire being one that doesn't constantly stay. It's not permanent uh, in the the way that the others are. So the interesting thing is when you start looking at fire in the realms of its natural, and I say natural settings Mm -hmm. with air quotations, um, you're right. Fire doesn't naturally exist in the flame kind of aspects. But the question really truly becomes is it kind of ends up bridging two different things when you look at things like volcanoes. Mm -hmm. Volcanoes technically have, quote unquote, fire within them. But it's also a mixture of earth as well. So it's not truly 100% actually fire. It's a combination of the two. So the interesting fact is it makes you kind of question, can fire exist without the others? And truth be told, none of the elements can exist without the others. They all actually have to um, interact with each other. In order for them to technically exist. Well, that's interesting. And, and this is probably deeper than this episode on its own. Yes. Um, because, but I, I'm just going to put this question out there as a guy that's, oh, you know, had one or two college courses on it and doesn't know much about geology and such. But uh, in a way, I guess the Earth Elemental probably could exist without the rest as in well i guess it what do you consider the elemental to be like would mars have you know an earth elemental of its own like does it have because it doesn't necessarily need to have air or water to be Mm -hmm. the planet itself i mean those are cool extras um i love what you said about the lava and the fire but and that gets Mm -hmm. me thinking more this is where i would need more information fire doesn't exist in a volcano i don't think because there's probably not air down there but it's magma at that point when it exits the volcano and turns into lava Mm -hmm. that's when those fires start but only because the reason you said it's the bridging of the earth elemental infusing that heat with the air elementalness and then it spawns Mm -hmm. the fire so even, I guess, in, in that sense, even fire doesn't naturally exist the way that other things do. It in itself right. has to be created by nature. 
So I guess I'm that, it, you know, I, fire is one of those strange elementals that maybe it's one of those things that the reason that it doesn't you know directly communicate with humans and it doesn't directly communicate with anyone is because it doesn't have life until the others basically give it life that's an such as say you know earth because earth is its basically food source mm-hmm. uh air is also its food source you can't have a flame without oxygen right and for instance you know there's a candle burning behind me if i was to actually take the the um, cover to that candle and put it on there, that flame would eventually go out because it's no longer being fed by the oxygen, which is your air. So in those regards, maybe the fire elemental does exist only when it's given life by the others. Same would be true with the lightning strike, right? Like that, that would be more of, well, I guess that, so, so as we move into this, let, let's tackle air elementals for a second. These are the slips we yes. mentioned before. They're associated with clouds, gases, and winds. They're said to be the mm-hmm. source of inspiration, but like all elementals, that could be helpful or harmful. Now, yes. with that being said, would you say that like a lightning strike, does that, does that tend to come from the more air elemental side, do you think, or is that somewhere else? I think that that's somewhere, I think that's kind of a cross between air and Mm. water. I I think that, like I said, I really do believe that they are constantly interplaying Mm -hmm. and working with each other. And I think that they are, the elementals in their own right are their own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like, you know, we have all of our different ecosystems around the earth. Every one of them has all of these elements, essentially, in you know, if you want to look at it as far as sunlight being your fire elemental, I suppose you probably could. But in that regard, that's where the, the kind of witchcraft side starts to come in because then we're like, oh, hey, the sun is the fire and that's how we see it. But ultimately, I, I truly believe that I don't know if you could have just a water elemental by itself. I mean, you could have just water by itself, but it needs kind of that basin of earth to hold it. Um, otherwise it just runs everywhere and eventually will run dry. Um, you know, it works with the air to create your thunderstorms and all that. So you end up with your, I guess you're essentially lightning storms because, um, ultimately when you look at the chemical compounds of water, eventually it's actually a little bit conductive. And that's one of the reasons that they say water can actually produce an electromagnetic field. Mm. So very interesting. Again, when we get back into the paranormal of it. Elementals are a very deep topic once you start kind of looking at them and breaking them down and you're just like, wow, you make up everything. This is amazing. So, uh, and, you know, once you start adding in the aspect of spirit or space, then you kind of start wondering maybe that also plays into the fire elemental and is what kind of gives it life. And so, I don't know. It's... It's one of those things that I suppose we could sit here and talk about it and break it down forever, but I don't think we'd ever really know because we're not supposed to truly know everything about elementals. I don't think we're supposed to understand them. Yeah, I really can't help, but, and this is a good segue, I think, into the fifth element here. It does make me wonder, Mm -hmm. though, I I brought up the, the question of Mars, for example. I mean, I... You you were, you were saying can an elemental exist without the others? I was saying theoretically, you know, a planet can exist in its core ingredients without anything else. It's still going to stick together. Now, the question would mm-hmm. be, does that planet have any like earthly elemental activity? I guess because if it doesn't have the others to kind of you know 
feedback loop kind of feed itself um, engage with I I don't know is that why we you know is that why some planets feel so dead and barren I mean they're dead dead there's not life there as we describe it I wonder mm-hmm. what that would do I wonder if that's um hmm I don't know I, I guess never the other aspect of that too um when you start looking at the cosmic planets and all that I would say when it comes to elementals per se mm-hmm. we define them in a very um structured earthly way so when you start looking at the other planets and their elemental compositions uh it it ends up becoming a very interesting thing because those planets don't have the same compositions that we do so i would go so far as to say that we can't truly define their those planets elementals by our elementals because our planets are not comprised of the same things that's a fascinating other rabbit hole that we're going to talk about for a second, but probably avoid because it's another, you know, whole episode. <laughs> but then that also implies that our elementals are limited to just this planet, which is a whole that's different convert. Like, because that's interesting, because that would mean that even if you slip over to the spiritual world, you're still limited to your same physical space that you occupy, like in this world. In some mm-hmm. senses, not in all. I don't mean that in the strictest way, but but that that is a whole other way to look at that. Ooh, yeah. um, and you know, it's. I, I was, no, okay, um, continue. Sorry, I was going to say, you know, when it comes to other elementals, elementals that may not make sense with our plane, if we were to say that they're all of the spirit world, perhaps those are elementals coming from other locations, like say Jupiter or Saturn or Mars or whatever. That are crossing over accidentally into our plane and going, whoops, I took a wrong turn to Albuquerque somewhere and end up going back. So in those regards, maybe when we see something that's elemental that doesn't fit or doesn't make sense, maybe that's because it's not technically supposed to be here. Interesting. Yeah, I, Just I, it's something <laughs> definitely something to dive into and explore. I mean, it obviously is very hard for us to speculate about other planets in the sense that we can mm-hmm. not only not go out in the real world and investigate because of the virus here, but we can't go to Jupiter anytime soon to investigate. <laughs> so that's a little bit difficult for us to give you guys more concrete facts on. But it does just yes. go to show, uh, you know, you, you start... I, I think our view of angels, demons, elementals, fae is very interesting when we start putting it under the scrutiny of, okay, well, what about a planet that's a couple hundred million light years away? Um, does that mm-hmm. borrow? I mean, in some ways, when we look at these, I, I think this is, a again, a whole other podcast, but to say the elementals, the four that we're discussing, the fifth being spirit, they not only play heavily into tarot, but they go back, like you said, to to ancient Greek. They are what people at one point understood the composition of things to be made up of. And we've mm-hmm. since, you know, broadened our definitions of that. But, you know, are they appropriately broad? Do other things make up other spaces that we just haven't called into effect? And I think that's where we're kind of talking about this, this fifth elemental here, um, which kind of bridges spirit or space. And I, I see mm-hmm. the note here where they can be associated with jinn, great aliens, and angels. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. I've not heard of those as being so much elementals, but I don't see why I don't see them having huge 
differences when you actually look at their manifestation style. I don't either. And, it, you know, it's interesting when I, I actually read that I was I got very hellier kind of vibes from that. And, uh, you know, those of you who have listened to the podcast often hear Kyle and I talk about hellier because hellier was kind of our defining point when it came to why we got into, I guess, exploring the paranormal on a much deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that they kind of talk about in there are the greys and these goblins and stuff like that. So to say that they might be classified as the fifth elemental kind of space elementals, I guess you could call them uh, in that regard, I don't think is completely off stretched because of the fact that if you remember from season one, they went out to the woods and actually kind of reached out to the surrounding area and, you know, kind of got some interesting kind of vibes and feelings and stuff like that. And it was one of those things that they weren't really sure if they were reaching out to these goblins or these aliens or whatever, or it was just whatever happened to be around them, but they were reaching out to something. And so I would say that maybe it it is likely that they could be classified as some sort of spirit slash space elemental because they were able to communicate with the surrounding area of our planet. So... I don't know. It's interesting. It, it really kind of gave me those great synchronicity kind of vibes when I read that. Huh. That is a very interesting one that I, I can say I've not heard of before this. So I am either. I'm interested to see that one definitely play out because I, it's just, again, I guess it, it goes to show we, we have such a loose definition of what is an elemental that it's very hard to start classifying other things, especially when you start to look up into the 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 galaxy and and look at that you know what mm-hmm. what can be considered an elemental if it comes from another planet or something i i don't know do and i think that's kind of one of the larger things that the paranormal space doesn't talk about because again it's so hard to get at which is if our world is is filled with otherworldly entities other dimensional entities let's just talk about not the human spirits for right now let's talk about everything that isn't human um, do those mm-hmm. things occupy other planets, too? I mean, why would they just occupy Earth unless we really are something special? Are they here because there's a lot of energy here? There is a lot of living creatures. Are they what allows living creatures to exist here? You know, do do things walk around on these barren worlds, but in other dimensions? I, I know I'm really out there on an edge, but it's like I, I can't help but ask that question. We talk about gray aliens potentially somehow being baked in. You know, it, that's kind of one of those things that I, I really don't think that we have that answer and we'll never truly uh-huh. have that answer because of the fact that we're not on the other side of the veil. Yep. And until we really are on the other side of the veil and it's like, oh, hey, where does this door go? Oh, hey, I'm on Jupiter. How the fuck did I get here? And, you know, at that yeah. point, then we can truly answer that question. But, you know, I guess it's one of those things that the it's so hard for us to communicate with the other side. And sometimes it's like, I feel like when you're talking with, you know, elemental spirits, demons, whatever it may be, you get to this point where there's only so much communication that can happen because it takes so much energy to talk. And I guess it would be the equivalent to us talking for eight hours at a time. And eventually our voice goes hoarse because it's like, Oh, Hey, we just talked for eight hours straight. So 
in that regard, I think that there is a communication barrier between us. Not, I'm not just talking about the veil, but I'm talking about maybe in the way that we look at time. Mm. What might be a 15-minute conversation on this side is eight hours for them. And that's why communication suddenly stops because their voice went hoarse. I don't know. But I do know that there is a lot of questions that we will never have answers to, at least right now, because we don't have the technology to retrieve those answers from the other side. So there, there's a lot to it. <laughs> there really is. Now, this last uh, type of elemental we'll talk about today is an artificial elemental called, well, other, we've talked about this before to some degree, but tulpas. <laughs> tulpas being a, a manifestation from the person, well, again, the artificial creator here. So it's the mm-hmm. idea that um, you can give something a life or energy through focusing on it, through channeling energy to it. Um, There's a couple different types of tulpic energies and stuff that exist out there uh, to to, to various forms. And and we're only using tulpa being the most general type. But yeah, it's about Mm -hmm. giving life and manifesting an entity. And those can definitely come through in the elemental side of things, channeling um, more traditional aspects. And, And I think I've read some, read or heard about People definitely confusing elementals with tulpas because of the way that artificial tulpa was created. You know, it might have been created using fire or created using water, and it then borrows some aspects of that. Mm -hmm. It does. And the interesting thing about tulpas, the the correlation that I kind of make with tulpas is we talk a lot about manifestation theory. We also earlier in the pre-show talked about um, psychic kinesis. or psychokinesis uh, manifestations or PK manifestations. So in those regards, how much difference between a PK manifestation, despite the fact that it's intentional, um, and a tulpa actually is? Like, where does the line truly become different? Because PK manifestations can take on energies of fire and they can take on energies of water. And all that. So it really gets into this kind of, I guess you could say, gray area of what really does make up an artificial elemental. And because we're the ones who are creating it. That Now, see, this is a little bit of me not knowing a, a depth of, of tulpa knowledge here. Mm-hmm. Are all tulpas elementals or are artificial elementals just a flavor of tulpa if i I mean, it might be the same question just to ask the opposite way i actually come to think of it so from my knowledge and i don't know much about there's a couple of different um ways but the only one that i really know about is the kabbalistic way um the jewish way and those are typically you would end up kind of crafting almost through a form of witchcraft um a kind of element out of clay, like a, a, a being out of clay. And then you would charge basically or create some sort of spell and you would actually feed it into the mouth of this cre- creature. And that would be what gave it life. That was the um, version of it that you would kind of come across. Now, the interesting aspect of that is I've also heard of tulpas essentially be they don't have that quote unquote physical body. They end up having a psychic body of sorts. 
So, um, yeah, poppets are also a similar kind of uh, scenario. But um, the, the, the interesting aspect with that is where does, I guess, you know, if we're not using that Kabbalistic way of creating a physical body for it, is it truly a tulpa or is it a PK manifestation that you're doing intentionally versus non-intentionally? Yeah, that's a good point. I think the way I understand the word tulpa is not I, I've never heard of them referred to as an elemental um, myself. I, I've all mm-hmm. and nor have I really heard about them being made in the way of almost like reanimating a golem of sorts of having to create a yeah. physical. I've always looked at tulpas or heard about them spoken strictly in the um, oh, I just pulled the word up here. What was a thought form, a thought form just mm-hmm. exclusively. Um, something that's manifested, which uh, so again, to me, a tulpa and a PK manifestation, I think the only difference that I would draw again, a psychokinetic uh, manifestation, both of them being thought forms, I guess I would say that a PK manifestation, as I understand it in 2020, is that the mm-hmm. PK manifestation is not necessarily sentient, though it can become sentient. And at that point, yes. I would call it, I guess, a tulpa, because at that point, it would have achieved a mind of its own and i guess the question there becomes does it need to have a physical manifestation for it technically to move into the tulpa realm like does it or or even like appearing to you whether or not it actually is materializing is it appearing to you in a form this i would say hmm it's hard because there's no real well i mean i'm certain that scholars out there and investigators have their own working definition But again, back to what you said earlier, I think it's very hard because we're not supposed to know all the answers to these questions. And these are like... Right. I I truly don't know if we'll ever know the answer to it. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, all aspects of all elementals, we could sit here and talk about them for eight hours straight. Mm -hmm. Because the fact that it is such a deep topic. And it's so funny because there's not very much written information about there. But there's still enough information for us to make all of these wonderful speculations and sit here and talk about them. Exactly. So in that regard, I don't really know where tulpas sit. And I don't really know where the difference between a PK manifestation and a golem and everything else sits. I think it's kind of one of those things that tulpa or any of that kind of artificial elemental is kind of an umbrella term for so many different things true kind of like i think earth elemental is an umbrella term for the things that we classify as fey and all that so in the terms of elementals i think that's what they originally were but i think that we've assigned so many different elemental names to them or so many different names in regards to different entity forms but maybe they're all just the same thing I could see it. I, I, as we, as we kind of conclude talking about these different types, it's just a reminder to say that many elemental spirits can often be confused with human spirits, demonic spirits, angelic mm-hmm. spirits, and the fae. Like that's a very, very common thing. Like you just said, Peg, and they, they, they share such common manifestations, common origin things that I think to us as the dare I say, ignorant observers that we are as humans, we just don't have the um, the senses really to, to even begin. Mm-hmm. It would be like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's like us trying to 
separate like a language we don't know into what the nouns and verbs are like how would you even begin doing that for a foreign language like you don't you know what i mean it's you use such little context clues like it'd be a very challenging act to classify stuff that you can't even read and make sense of and that is these elementals to a t we we try we see we we make um connections and i think that's what this episode is about for you guys is is just bringing it to people's foreground reminding people that this can happen I think we should yes. definitely ask Katie her opinion on the PK manifestations to Tulpas because I'd love she to hear her manifestations on it. And um, I also put a question in our notes there um, in regards to the Crone Idol, oh, and I'd yeah. love to hear her thoughts about that. Oh, so, good. I, I I was watching it last night, and I'm just like, wait a minute, he's described. I have a feeling that this is not what he thinks this is. And I don't really know if that's the case. He may totally understand exactly what this thing actually is. And I may be totally out of my depth thinking this. But when Katie comes on, I will ask that question. So without further ado. So I have an elemental story of my own. And I'd love to share it with you guys. I'd love to hear chat's thoughts on it as well. And I'd love to hear Kyle's thoughts on it. Kyle, you've already heard a little bit about it. And... Not too, too much. But as most of you know, I live on a farm. Um, and I live kind of what I call a, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of town. Because my farm's literally in the middle of the city. But it's totally fine. And we're surrounded by all sorts of woods and ponds and all sorts of great stuff. So uh, about a week or so ago, I was actually out walking in the woods. And one of the things that I kind of started noticing is something was following me. And I'm just like, okay, the veil's thin, it's fine. And I was just like, and then it kind of gave this, I guess, not really very nice kind of feeling to it. it it was very strange and it just a little malevolent but not to the point that I was scared and I kind of just stopped and I'm like look whatever you are I don't have time for you you know if you're here to scare me it's not going to work and then suddenly it ch- kind of changed its tune that it's like oh wow she's not scared of me okay and it continued to follow me for a while and eventually it got to the point where I asked it I was like what are you what do you want and it started kind of showing me things. And for those of you who know, I'm a medium. And as I started kind of seeing stuff, I started seeing where it had come from. And it had actually walked out of a tree, not like from behind a tree, it walked out of it. So I'm like, the hell? And so the more I kind of let this thing kind of show me things, I started to realize, I'm pretty sure you're an elemental. And I'm like, okay, why are you following me? What do you want? And it basically kind of came across this whole thing of showing itself in a very dark and twisted kind of mannerism. And it was kind of moving in this weird spider-like way, very similar to what uh, we'll talk about with Katie with the GRCC and the the way that they crawled. Uh, But it was one of those things that it was kind of crawling on like all fours, but it wasn't upside down and backwards like it was in the GRCC but it moved very much like a spider. And it was one of those things where I just got to this point where I'm like, huh, why is it showing itself this way? If you're an elemental, shouldn't you be pretty and all this other stuff? And it's like, no, I was made this way. And I was like, what does that mean? And it said that it was made this way by humanity. So at that point, I kind of stopped and it was this very sobering moment that I'm like, 
have we damaged the planet so much to the point that elementals are actually coming across as really dark and twisted? Have we done that? And so it was this really kind of sobering, scary moment for me, not because of what it was, but because of the fact that it literally was broken and twisted. And we had apparently made it this way. And if that's the case, then it was a very scary moment for me in the terms of our planet. So what do you think, Kyle? I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on my experience there? Because I don't know. I don't really even know what to make of it. But I know that it didn't come across as a scary element for me. It was more of a sobering element. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of that either. Um, I, yeah, I really don't know what to say about that because since I didn't see it myself, I can't add mm-hmm. too much to that. So I'm just going to have to leave it to you and be your little mystery. <laughs> I don't think that elementals walk around that much myself. Like I, my, my gut instinct is to say probably not an elemental mm-hmm. um, just because I don't... F- view them as that accessible but i don't know that that's true um so i don't know my gut says no but i'm an open-minded person Mm -hmm. that's Uh, very interesting i don't believe anything Uh, you know i would say i i believe there's a a little bit of malice in the statement you heard in fact because i don't think that anything Mm -hmm. is unrepairable and i'd say that anything that wants you to believe anything finite or final Mm -hmm. has intentionality behind why it would want you to think that way well i mean that's kind of fitting for what we've already talked about with elementals they can come across as harmful so so it's one of those things that um maybe it didn't have the best intentions um and wanted me to believe that it was completely broken and always going to be dark and twisty and all that but in those regards it's kind of one of those things of whatever this thing was it Mm -hmm. stopped giving off that i'm going to hurt you kind of vibe once i basically said i'm not afraid of you Mm. so it it very much was this whole thing of i just want to sit here and talk to you so i don't know i don't really know where it was kind of one of the first kind of elemental uh, things that I had ever really sat down and I guess had a conversation with. Yeah. It was just one of those things that it was very strange. And I would say that, yeah, we've done a lot of damage to the planet and mm-hmm. maybe we have hurt them. I don't know, but maybe I would say it could be repaired. Yeah. I don't really know. Like I said, we all we've talked about through this episode is we will never really understand everything when it comes to elementals. And that being said, I think when it comes to this one, I don't know if it will ever show me its true side or its true face or any of that. Maybe it comes across this way because it is trying to protect itself. It That could be it. Chancel Listen Chat says, uh, yeah, it sounds very trickstery. I, I don't want to piss off uh, an element uh, at all. It could be really bad. In many ways, mm-hmm. I do think of elementals like a bear. Uh, contrary to popular belief, bears make wonderful pets for humans. Not that you should do this because you're you're likely to die. Um, but mm-hmm. people and bears have bonded great. And I, there's many stories of people who live with bears. Um, a lot of the time the bear does end up hurting them, usually accidentally, but they're very loving. Yeah. I think the same with elementals is true. I think most people uh, are going to get their face torn off 
I think very specific <laughs> people can live a very long time very happily with them. Do I always think that there's that accident that that elemental may still destroy mm-hmm. your life? Yeah, because I think it's, I mean, it, you know, if we're talking about an elemental, it's kind of like living with a flood in that way or, you know, whatever. Like you're, you are communing with something that by its very nature, <laughs> and to put it that way, it just shifting itself um, could cause great waves that, you know, physically, energetically could really mess with you. And I, I think that's where mm-hmm. we see these cases. I think it was interesting that we heard about elementals being very prevalent in churches and stuff. We often think of demonic infestations happening in churches. Um, maybe maybe elementals go to churches because they are an affront to the land. Um, I don't know. Maybe that in themselves, you know, Christian or Abrahamic churches are very much of the mindset that the earth is your tool and it will serve you, the human, um, that all things are to be shepherded by man. And I think us as people that look into the more paganism side uh, very much disagree with that and think that quite the opposite, either that we're very symbiotic with one another or that we Mm -hmm. are the thing being cared for by nature you know that we are the 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 lesser of the two um so maybe that's why you know they go to churches that would kind of be like someone graffitiing your home you know that would be very offensive if someone come up and came up and spray painted something on your house and and in that way you've got a you know a church which is preaching domination and subjugation and so Mm -hmm. i could definitely see them flocking to things like that i could definitely see them warming up to people I, I could definitely see because of our common religious values that that domination mindset that elementals would be hostile to humans initially before they get to know yes. you. Because honestly, elementals, uh, let's let's look at it from their angle. In many ways, the destruction of mankind would suit them probably very, very well because we do go in and consume their stuff and we leave mm-hmm. carnage in their wake. So again, for them to snap at us first makes a lot of sense so it does kind of my thoughts on it i suppose and it's it's going to be a hard one for us to like answer outright ever i think but i think that going in charged with the knowledge of what elementals could be why we shouldn't point at everything and call it a demon right away i think that does Mm -hmm. a great service for us as investigators for those interested in the paranormal i absolutely agree with that you know and the funny thing is that this elemental that has, I guess, kind of come into my life or whatever you want to call it, uh, is very much of that mindset that, you know, maybe there's something that can be done. Maybe there's something that can, you know, it, the way that it came across is it wanted some sort of help, but I'm not sure I'm actually of a place to help it or what it wants. So I don't know. It, it maybe it was just curious. Maybe it wanted to company of a human. I don't know. But it, it communicated with me. So whatever it was, yeah. I don't know. Um, but it's definitely interesting. I, I will give it that much. I could absolutely see that, especially in your case where it's a situation where it's like I want to attack this person because you know screw off humans. Um, and then you know you kind of announce yourself uh, just like Katie and them did in that episode, saying mm-hmm. you know we're actually here to help you. Um, that's, that's just how humans work too in combative situations. I mean, you're going to treat someone like they're your enemy often until they prove that they're not. And, you know, those sort of situations. 
Uh, so that you might have made yourself a good elemental friend that maybe you guys will have better um, things in the future, more ongoing communications. And maybe that thing will help us get our world back in line because elementals, if you're out there, we could use you guys, (laughs) uh, as, as best as possible, but we are at the end of this episode, Pagan. So thank you for sharing this wealth of knowledge, including your personal experiences. Yes, happy to. This has been a beautiful one. This was definitely us just getting to express our questions, our thoughts, You guys get to hear how our brains work when we look at these situations, how we like to take one story and compare it to another, Um, especially great one because there's not a lot of firm evidence about these uh, elementals. And I think very few investigators are looking for them. I would agree with that very much. So very, very much. We can't get more information unless people actually start to test for them and search for them and like all of that so that is that is our little nugget that we're putting out into the universe today everyone we're giving you hopefully someone out there listens to this episode and in their next uh next haunt they go to look at consider consider other possibilities you know maybe it's not just a ghost maybe it's not just a demon maybe it's not just native american burial grounds in the old traditional way we think of them you know maybe this is something that's other than so look look out there see what you can find we are going to conclude this episode here though we're going to get on a call with katie webb that'll be up on the feed as a separate episode so you guys look out for that one katie webb is amazing she's going to share with us her elemental stories so if you want to know more if you want to catch that you know the place to go it's always chaosandshadow.com. you can find the chaos and shadow feed there we have lots of nice little circular button links there with spotify itunes google's podcasting and more if you skip over to the revelator morning show page uh pagan and i are doing that with brian in the mornings we got that tuesday through friday different segment every day so join in you can find that up on spotify and itunes as well but that happens over here on twitch you can listen to this show live on twitch twitch.tv forward slash revelator paranormal We've got the Discord, discord.gg forward slash paranormal. That place is your hub, your go-to to chat with other investigators, with other hobbyists, with other enthusiasts, share your stories. We just, we love it. We keep it paranormal there. Obviously, Twitter, we've got that too. So go over, drop a follow, and uh, and maybe Pagan and I will start tweeting out more. <laughs> we, we were just talking <laughs> about this the other day. We're like the world's worst Twitterer. So um, if you guys, (laughs) if you guys have art that you want to send into the show at all, we'd love to highlight stuff like that. You know, if you're someone out there that draws along with these episodes, we've seen some of that before. Um, We've seen folks that are, you know, out there trying to vision elementals. They're drawing sigils. If you guys want, you should tag us with that. Chaos and Shadow on Twitter. Find all of these links below. Find them all on the website. You can find Pagan's link. She's got her link tree below. My link tree is down there. Subscribe to all the things. And we will catch you guys next week for an episode on We Don't Know Yet, I think. <laughs> we haven't decided yet. We haven't so decided. It's a surprise. <laughs> it will be a surprise. 
Also, you got Michelle Bellinger coming by soon for an extra surprise on this feed uh, from Portals to Hell and more. Michelle's coming by. She'll be talking about her Dictionary of Demons over there. 10th anniversary celebrating its reprinting and binding is gorgeous. So look out for that, everyone. You're going to get that episode November 13th. Pagan, thank you again. Let's let these fine folks go. You guys have a wonderful week. Everyone stay safe out there. Oh, and you'll get this in advance. So if you're in the United States, vote, 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 vote. Seriously, vote. Yes. Go vote. vote you'll get this on Monday. And also, um, we wish you a – you'll get this after, but we wished you a happy Halloween. Yes. a very. We're putting the intent out now. So regardless of when you hear it, happy Halloween to you. Go vote. Yes. Be good to yourselves. Be good to other people. Love yourselves. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good Goodbye. Week.